1: We are back at it again, and big night, big night. Oh, my God, it's so exciting. Uh, Well, we, we have projections now, and if you're someone that loves people getting on the radio and television and saying, that's a win, that's a loss, it's the, I think Mike Francesa was the first guy in sports radio to do it. And everyone just repeats that pretty much, where that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. The much-anticipated Ballyhooed NFL schedules were released, and the unwashed, me and you, are able to dissect them. We get our comb out, and we go through everything. And it's uh, it's wonderful. And I assume you saw this, but maybe you missed it. And so what I'm going to do here is get my highlighter out, and I'm going to circle some games, because that's what I'm told you're supposed to do. And why not? Uh, Why not join the fray? So there's some things here that do stand out. And you always look to see the team that won the Super Bowl, where are they going to play? What's going on with the team that won the Super Bowl? Well, Kansas City, the defending champions of the National Football League, and they will open up their title defense from that championship by hosting the Houston Texans. Uh, That's scheduled for September 10th. That is the big kickoff game, which every year other than, Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year. They changed it up a little bit where they had the 100th anniversary. They had a different matchup. But the Chiefs are back as the champions and will take on the Texans. Also on opening weekend, Tom Brady will make his debut wearing the Buccaneers' ugly uniforms against Drew Brees in New Orleans. So that story we had a couple of days ago that claimed they had the Buccaneers' schedule was bogus. They said that the the, uh, Buccaneers were going to open up with the Falcons. That's not the case here. The the official schedule says against New Orleans, and I know you're excited. The old geezer club, the first-ever matchup of quarterbacks aged 40 or more. You have that new redonkulous stadium in Los Angeles and Inglewood, in the hood, in Inglewood, the home of the Rams and the Chargers, and the Rams will play the Cowboys. And I was reading that Jerry Jones desperately wanted to be in that game, and he wanted to be part of the event. And so it appears that's going to happen. And then you've got that new stadium in Vegas, the Death Star, that is going to open up on Monday night, the 21st of September. The Raiders will take on the Saints. So Drew Brees plays against Tom Brady and then, bam, a week later, takes on the... Raiders. The greatness of the Raiders. We'll see about that. Uh, The traditional Monday night doubleheader, which usually has one decent broadcast team and then a crappy broadcast team, uh, that first Monday night, uh, the the doubleheader that opening weekend, you got Pittsburgh at the Giants. That'll be one of the matchups there, which is not a very attractive. Let's be honest here. I mean, maybe the Steelers are better, but the Giants are going to stink again. And you you also have Tennessee at Denver. So, but wait, there's more. I'm not done. I'm not done. Joe Burrow, number one pick. He's right now buying new furniture for his parents. Number one. That's right. And the uh, Bengals will start off uh, the uh, the Joe Burrow career against the Chargers in a made for television matchup. The Chargers expected to start Justin Herbert at quarterback out of Oregon or Oregon if you're actually from the state. Uh, And that game will be in Cincinnati. And the Bengals also later on will play Tua Tungabailoa, assuming that both Burrow and Tungabailoa start and don't get hurt by Week 13 they'll play. And we can go on and on. Patriots without Tom Brady, they will open up for only the second time since 2001 without Tom Brady, and they'll host the Dolphins. In the opening uh, Sunday game, is Thanksgiving, Christmas football, all kinds of stuff. So let's discuss what are the hidden meanings. This is what I always like to do. See, I do things a little differently. I don't know if you figured that out. But what are the hidden meanings in the NFL schedule announcement? And so I've got the Sahara Desert, the Ugly Red-Headed Stepchild, and Cream Puffs and Flamethrower. All right, so we'll combine all this stuff together. And uh, we are going to make uh, some chicken strips uh, and also fries is what we're going to make. Now, A, typically, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, We don't spend often. I've been doing this for a few years. We don't spend a lot of time on the schedule. That's not something we normally do. There are several reasons for that. The main reason that we don't spend a lot of time talking about the NFL schedule is the fact that under regular circumstances, obviously we would be discussing a big NBA playoff game. There would have been two or three NBA playoff games played on Thursday night and, dare I say, maybe even dive into hockey. Maybe not hockey, but certainly baseball. There would have been a full slate of baseball games. Obviously none of those things are happening right now. The sporting world is right now walking in circles. They're right, going round and round and round and round in the Sahara Desert looking for water. So as the old line goes, beggars can't be choosers. So we will indulge in the micro-analyzing. I actually dusted off my microscope to look at the schedule. But uh, keep in mind that all of this, all of this is the the basic template, was known. All of it was known. The, the, the template for the 2020 schedule has been known for months you could have asked me yesterday who's going to play. I didn't know the dates, but I knew the matchups. It's just logistics, and that's a big word, logistics here in 2020 with the world being shut down the way we know it here. So hopefully by September, uh, fully operational by September. How about that? Uh, but all of, all of this has that big warning label subject to change based on how things turn out. Now, part B of this, in terms of – Respect. Oh, yeah. Sing the respect song. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. The big hidden meaning of schedule day in the NFL is the the curtain gets pulled back. Right, the curtain gets pulled back. You know what I mean by that? Primetime games are a badge of honor. If you are showcased in that particular industry in primetime, you matter. You're important. You're a big effing deal. And so, who are the chosen ones of 2020? Think of this like the crazy eight, as in eight teams. Eight teams. They spread the peanut butter all over the piece of bread because we have eight teams that are all going to get five primetime games. The chosen ones of the NFL 2020 the Ravens, the Patriots, the Buccaneers, 49ers, the Cowboys. As always, the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, the Packers, and the Rams. The L.A. Rams have uh, the same number of primetime games as the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Clearly, listen, I I like the Rams. I support the Rams. The Rams stand out like a sore thumb. Hello, they are going through a transitional salary cap hell season, but yet they're going to be on 5 prime time games, uh, assuming this all goes the way it's supposed to go, in a transitional year. So what is that? That's right. Apparently they can ram the schedule maker at the NFL. But what does this tell us? It tells us that somebody in the bowels of the NFL thinks, the marketing arm of the NFL, think the Rams are good television. And whether that's because they want the L.A. market and they, they think they can get huge ratings there, but this is a national broadcast. You get that many primetime games, high expectations. Now, some of the other teams that didn't get five primetime games, but again, it's very telling here. The teams that are moving on up the totem pole in the NFL. How about here we go, Buffalo, here we go, Buffalo, and pull the slot machine for lost wages, Nevada, because they will each get four prime time games. And for the Buffalo Bills, think about this. If you are let me give you, the, if you're 24 years old, the last time the Buffalo Bills had this many primetime games, you were a, a, a toddler. You were, you, were, you were not even one years old. It was 1996 was the last time. Marv Levy was strolling the sidelines. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, Bruce Smith, the glory days of Buffalo Bills football. I mean, they were just good enough to blow it at the end. Just good enough to blow it at again at the end of the game. Uh, at the Super Bowl. So since the NFL only puts the teams, they anticipate being sexy and beautiful in these shows, showcase games, the other part, which is really cool, and this is my favorite part, is the exposing of the dirty laundry, which means the ugly red-headed stepchild, or in this case, stepchildren of the NFL, the ones that get to wear the dunce cap, the least popular teams. I gave you the list of the popular teams, the teams that are dirt in the eyes of the NFL marketing department. Hail to the Redskins! Hail to no TV! No national televised games for the Redskins. And the Lions, both the Redskins and the Lions have zero primetime games. With a wink and a nod, the other one that they have some primetime games but not many, the Minnesota Vikings, despite being a playoff team, yeah, what's going on there? Only two primetime games. I know Kirk Cousins, who traditionally has vomited all over the field in primetime games, is very excited about this. And Mike Zimmer. I would think the Viking coach is excited about this because that's a great rallying cry. They don't believe in you guys. They think you guys are a bunch of stumble bums, and that's why you're not on TV, and so you can go around with that inevitable chip on your shoulder. All right, last word here as we do the schedule retrospective. So the charmed and cursed of the schedule. Now, all of this is relative, of course, but for now, based on what I was looking at, the team that has the easiest schedule, the new golden boys of football, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, this is very odd. They had the most regular season wins last season, and then Lamar dropped a deuce in the playoffs with all those turnovers, and they played a bunch of tomato cans last season, and now Lamar Jackson is going to overdose on cream puffs. He's going to be eating so many cream puffs with the Ravens that they have the NFL's softest schedule, Baltimore. Uh, The Patriots on the flip side have the toughest schedule based on last season's results. While the Ravens, they, they will participate in contests against the NFC least shout out to teams like the giants and the Redskins and the Cowboys and the Eagles. And so they'll be playing those teams. The Patriots have to tackle the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers and the Cardinals. So, Of course, those teams were better last year. It doesn't mean they're going to be better this year, but they were better last year. And what's the the line? We always talk about Wall Street and the NFL are the same. Past results do not guarantee future outcomes. That's a fact, Jack. And uh, most coaches would prefer to have a soft launch, right? You want to get out of a – it's like in college football how they – typically most teams will schedule the little sisters of the poor prior to playing some tougher teams in college football. And in the NFL, you'd prefer to play some really pathetic uh, blind-leading-the-blind type of teams if you could, but one coach in particular does not get that, and that would be Bill O'Brien, who appears to be walking into a flamethrower without any kind of protective suit on to start this season. He is the biggest loser, if you will, if you really want to get into the minutia of the NFL schedule game. The Texans' first four games. They play at Kansas City. They play host to the Ravens, at Pittsburgh, and then they play host to the Vikings. Now, the first two teams there, the Chiefs and the Ravens, were 26-6 last year. The first four teams combined 44-20, and Pittsburgh was a down team last year, and they're supposed to be better this year, and so good luck. I guess there's two ways to look at that. You can embrace the opportunity and say, man, if the Texans get off to a good start, they got a really manageable schedule the rest of the way. Of course, who the hell thinks they're going to get off to a good start? That is setting up for Bill O'Brien to walk to the guillotine is what that is, right? So there you go. Those are the hidden things that you did not know, but now you know in the 2020 NFL schedule.
7: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: Do you love Selena? Like, really love
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News,
0: I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development.
4: When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus,
0: anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We are back at it inside the magic radio box. We will continue our in-depth team coverage. There's a little bit more on Earl Thomas. We'll get to that coming up. In a few minutes, the story of the week here: the Baltimore Ravens safety Earl Thomas, and there's some new information. But first, uh, the NFL schedule came out. We analyzed that. I, I'm sorry, I cannot do more than one monologue on the NFL schedule. Call me nuts, call me crazy. That's my limit. My limit is one. I did it, and now I'm ready to move on. There's other things that are interesting me, uh, that are of interest to me. Uh, so we'll get into some of those right now. Now. We have spent a lot of our time, you and I together here in the in the radio box, we have spent a lot of time obsessing over the future of quarterbacks. Uh, we've twiddled our thumbs as we work uh, really as amateur headhunters in, in many respects for players like Jameis Winston, who's now got a job in New Orleans, and Cam Newton, who still doesn't have a job, and other quarterbacks. Well, another name not to be forgotten has popped up on our radar again, a Super Bowl star from Super Bowl past who is on the street. He is a free agent right now, the notorious Joe Flacco. That's right. Jump ball Joe can be yours. And if you've not heard the latest, his name popped up and came across our radar screen for this reason. Uh, We found out the former Ravens and briefly Broncos quarterback, who has been unable to find gainful employment. We now know why that has been a trivial pursuit for Joe Flacco, and it got a whole lot more difficult because we're hearing that Flacco has gone under the knife. He had an operation in April. Uh, he had shoulder surgery, which, considering the lack of available surgeries in the month of April because of the pandemic, uh, is pretty impressive that Joe Flacco, Uh, that they deem that essential, that Joe Flacco gets his uh, shoulder operated on. Anyway, uh, NFL insider and Fox Sports Radio contributor Adam Kaplan uh, telling us that Flacco is recovering. He will not be ready to resume football activities until late August or early September. Now, the NFL kicks off in early September, and if all goes as planned, training camps and whatnot will take place in July. So you see the quagmire that Joe Flacco finds himself in. Now, Flacco has been on the record and has said that he is not ready to quit football, that he wants to play. Joe Flacco would like to play in 2020. So let us discuss. The question, what are the odds that Joe Flacco plays another NFL game? Not five NFL games, not ten NFL games, not an entire season. Just one game. Just well, they're not, they're not zero. I'm going to set the odds at plus 700, which implies a 12% chance. All right? I'm going to walk you through this. Now, I'm not going to go any higher than plus 700, which is about 12%. So I've got Simon and Garfunkel, Grand Larceny, and the old shoe. All right, and we will combine all these things together, and we'll make uh, some uh, baba ganoush is what we're going to make. We haven't made that in a few days, so we'll make some baba ganoush. Now, number one. Number one. Strike up the band. Joel Flacco is going to need to find the most amazing representation possible. I am talking about a master manipulator to pull this off. This would be a pen and Teller-like magic trick if you can do it. You're going to need someone who can sell ice to an Eskimo, that kind of salesperson, right? Uh, that's that's what it's going to take. If you look at the resume of Flacco and you see the graph and it, it shoots – up like this for the first few years like that and then all of a sudden there's a straight line all the way down career recession uh for for Flacco this is like that uh, Mrs. Robinson song right the uh, the old lyric from Simon Garfunkel where have you gone Joe Flacco a nation turns its lonely eyes to you unless it doesn't uh but in this particular case Uh, You scratch your head. Now, I don't scratch my head because I I didn't think Joe Flacco was great when Joe Flacco was being paid as the greatest thing of all time. Uh, But you look at what's going on here and how bad he has been. After 11 seasons in Baltimore, he played eight games in Denver last season, got injured, of course, didn't go well at all for him. And if you go to the stats, it's not just the last two years that are the problem. This is an ongoing trend. And Flacco has been Mr. Consistent. If you want a quarterback with a passer rating between 82 and 84, Joe Flacco's your guy. Call nobody else Mr. Consistent Joe Flacco. Of course, unfortunately, he's consistent in the kiddie pool of the NFL, but that's the reality. All right, parts of the last three seasons, three, for Joe Flacco. Passer rating 82.6, that's on brand. Yards per attempt, 6.2. And that is why Joe Flacco's career is in the ICU unit right now. Now, the second thing here, and this is important when you talk about the Flacco narrative, the deck is stacked against Flacco because of the trifecta of doom, if you will. Now, what is the trifecta of doom? Uh, You've got strike one, poor performance. We just gave you the stats, poor performance. I reference that. Strike two would be his age. Flacco is 35 years old. And while 35 in the real world is not that old, in football parlance, you are a dinosaur. And I realize I'm saying that with Tom Brady and Drew Brees, both over the age of 40, but those are the exceptions to the rule. And then the third thing, the third strike is injury. Malingering. Is Joe Flacco going to be a malingerer? Because he's got a neck problem. Now, all that said, Future generations, when things get back to some sense of normalcy, are going to use Joe Flacco as a case study on how to stick it to the man, how to monetize one's wealth in professional football. And it's, it's a great tale. It's already been eight years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, but Joe Flacco bet on himself in 2012. And there was this great Internet debate in those years, is Joe Flacco elite? And it paid off. It paid off. The Ravens went on a magic carpet ride, and they won the Super Bowl as a wild card team, and he was the MVP, and and he was rewarded for his troubles. The Ravens, how much did that Super Bowl cost the Ravens? Flacco parlayed a very mediocre to slightly above mediocre career into, at the time, the richest contract in NFL history. All right, Flacco, $120.6 million dollar windfall. He got the mega million signing bonus as well, $29 million. Good for him. But from the very moment, okay, from the very moment that Joe Flacco signed the contract and the ink dried, Baltimore had buyer's remorse. Flacco has committed grand larceny is what he has committed. That is the term. The term is grand larceny. The Ravens' rationale was they had no choice, that they they let Flacco play out the year. They had to keep him. They had to find a way. You can't let go of the Super Bowl-winning quarterback. They had to lock him up. They assumed the position that playoff Joe would show up again, at least occasionally. You know, that's what happens. When you assume you look like an ass, and the Ravens ended up looking like an ass. And Flacco, I don't know what kind of deal he made with the devil, and I'll give him this, and I don't like to do it, but that was the single greatest playoff run I have ever seen. It wasn't Tom Brady, it wasn't Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or anybody else, not Joe Montana. The single greatest postseason run was Joe Flacco. And it's not even really that close. Stunning. The magnum opus in that season. A runaway success for one playoff run. Of course, since then, he has been a habitual underachiever. But he's always got that to look back on. All right, final point. So while Joe Flacco is lounging around as he recovers from this medical procedure on his neck, I am not completely there to sign off on Flacco being persona non grata in the NFL. I'm going to tell you why. I, there, there's a, a line of thinking here. I'm going to tell you where my mind is at. Joe Flacco is a seasoned veteran, which is a nice way of saying he's old and not that good, but experienced. Right. More importantly, Flacco's connected. He spent a lot of time in the fraternity that is professional football. He's met a lot of people. And what do we always say about life? It's really not what you know, it's who you know. And that is in any profession. It's in the radio business. I know people in radio that get great jobs, not because they're necessarily great, because they know people. They're good schmoozers. The ability to schmooze, and listen, I don't think Flacco's a renaissance man in any way, but he knows a lot of people. And Flacco's like an old shoe. You know, the coaches are familiar with him, and they're comfortable with a guy like Joe Flacco in the quarterback room. He keeps his mouth shut. He puts his head down. He's a good soldier. You you don't mind having a guy like Joe Flacco in your foxhole. Of course, you don't get all giddy with excitement because he ain't that good, but you're like, ah, sorry. He's harmless. But the only way Flacco comes back in 2020 it would appear, based on the, the new reporting, is as a reinforcement type of quarterback, an injury replacement type of quarterback. So where could he end up? Well, you're trying to predict who's going to get hurt, who's not going to get hurt. But what I always look to do first is follow what I call the nepotism bedcrumbs. All right? So you follow bread, the bedcrumbs of nepotism. And what are the breadcrumbs? Uh, keep your eye on the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I realize Kirk Cousins is the man. The Vikings don't really have a backup quarterback. And you got Gary Kubiak, who's a former Ravens assistant under John Harbaugh. So there's a connection there. And he was in Baltimore when Flacco was there. So you look, again, nepotism. There's a connection. How about the Chicago Bears? Nick Foles is fragile. Carson Wentz stinks. And you've got... Former Bronco coach, uh, former Bears defensive coordinator, now Broncos coach, Vic Fangio, who has worked in the past with Matt Nagy, who's now the Bears coach, so everyone's in bed with everyone else. Uh, And that's a possibility. And then the last one, I'm going to throw out this team with every available quarterback. I did it with Cam Newton the other day. I will do it today with Joe Flacco. The Tennessee Titans. I am not convinced that the Ryan Tannehill that played like Montana last year shows up again. And should that glass slipper break into a gazillion pieces, the Tennessee Titans have no backup plan. They got to they gotta scramble. They got to find somebody else. And so these other quarterbacks are in play. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show. As we press on here, bloviating the night away from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. And I promised you an update on Earl Thomas. Now, this is great. So, now, last hour we had an update. The reporting now said that uh, Earl Thomas, the Ravens, were snooping around, thinking, seeing if they could get out of the contract, which I don't. Not that I'm a real lawyer, but I'm a radio lawyer. And as a radio lawyer, I do not believe that is practical. But that is a realistic thing. It's a dilemma for the Ravens because it appears that Earl Thomas is – on the downside of his career, and the Seahawks made a good decision to get out of that contract. But the Ravens, it would appear, because of the guaranteed money, are uh, they're in that conundrum, and they're just going to be stuck in that conundrum. So we talked about that. We also talked about the fact that uh, Earl made some comments on Twitter. His teammate, one of his teammates, tweeted and then deleted a comment, uh, Mark Ingram, which was pretty funny. Which was pretty funny. Well, now the lawyer for the wife of Thomas has gone out and made a statement saying that she is being subjected to an, this is a quote, unfounded, ongoing investigation by Texas police because she, again, is accused of pointing a loaded gun at her husband's head after she found him in bed with the other woman back in April. So I do not know the law in Texas. We we have a lot of lawyers and police office. Is it illegal? Maybe it's legal in Texas to, to point a gun at someone's head. Is that, is that allowed? I don't know. I don't know the laws and all that, but the lawyer has come out and issued a statement on behalf of Nina Thomas, the wife, and uh, the response to the TMZ reporting and all that stuff, and uh, wow. <laughs> just it gets better and better. Is this does this rise to the level of a Netflix docu series? Are we going to get that down the line? I guess all we have is really docu series at this point. We don't have anything else to talk about, so we'll we'll just have docu series. Man, man, oh man! Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show
7: weekdays at two a.m. Eastern, eleven p.m. Pacific.
4: Do you love Selena?
7: Like really love.
1: A little earlier than normal. Here we go. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. All right. Third degree and Coupe de Loup is in that.
9: You know, back in the day, this was the normal time for out oh, uh, of the third here degree. We
1: go. No, you're
9: shaming me. Uh, Ron Rivera told the Washington Post that after the Redskins draft, he thinks that the team's turnaround can happen faster than expected. Ben, do you see Rivera, uh, Turning the Redskins around?
1: All right, so here's my position on Ron Rivera. I've been doing this too long to believe anything a head coach of the Washington Redskins says. Okay? Uh, and, and, And I'll tell you why. So if you go down the list historically, I know Rivera hasn't coached the game and all that, but you... You look at the different coaches over the years, and you go down there, and they Bill Callahan, Jay Gruden, Mike Shanahan, Jim Zorn, Steve Spurrier, Marty Schottenheimer, Joe Gibbs, the second Joe Gibbs, all of these knuckleheads, all of them stepped in and said, I think we can really turn this thing around quick. You know why? Because that's what you're supposed to say. That's what you're supposed to say. There is a graveyard filled with guys who Dan Snyder hired who said something like this something akin to this and then it got a banana cream pie to the face and if if Washington is going to be good then they got to figure out a defense i don't see it i mean they got a couple of good players up front and they've spent a lot of draft capital lately on defense but it's an uphill battle obviously good luck and b like How good a coach is Ron Rivera? I have him on my big board of coaches, a slightly above average NFL coach. This is not the reincarnation of Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, or Vince Lombardi. He's a little bit better than Marty Schottenheimer only because he won a few more games in the in the playoffs. I actually rather have Marty Schottenheimer, and Schottenheimer didn't win. All right, next, at least in Washington, he didn't win. So
9: it's not like it was a secret, but Mark Jackson said in an interview on Wednesday that it's a dream of his to coach again. Ben, how long before you're, uh, you think he's a head coach again in the NBA?
1: All right. So the day after never, does that count? Is that an... I don't know. Wow. Listen, here's the thing. Like, the first thing I will say about Mark Jackson is we... I, I was optimistic for a while. I've now crossed over to the other side of the aisle. I'm a pessimist. I'm no longer Benny Brightside with Mark Jackson. I'm a pessimist. He has been doing NBA games on television for long enough now in a prime position alongside Jeff Van Gundy that he has not gotten a real sniff. He has not been a legitimate candidate anywhere since he left the Golden State Warriors, and they, they actually kicked him to the curb. And all that, and there's some serious baggage, and we know some of it's been out there. Some of the the dirty laundry has made its way to the internet and all that, but there is some major cooties on Mark Jackson. And the second thing here, the the only obvious connection that we've been saying this, and they've kept changing coaches over the years, and they've never hired Mark Jackson, are the Knickerbockers. Like that, He would excite all the middle-aged New Yorkers that grew up Knicks fans that remember Mark Jackson and Patrick Ewing at the Garden back in the day for nostalgia reasons with Trent Tucker from the olden days. But other than appeasing a couple of old guys outside of that possibility, you know, quite frankly, it would be a surprise at this point if Mark Jackson gets a coaching job. I, I hope he likes look at that man go and doing all that on TV. All right, next. Uh, Richard,
9: <laughs> Richard Sherman recently went on the radio and said that anyone who blames Jimmy G for the Niners Super Bowl loss is foolish. He said that it, uh, it came down to the defense's inability to get a
1: stop, and, and that's what played a bigger factor in the loss. Is he right? All right, so I'm going to quote Mark Jackson. One of his other catchphrases was, hand down, man down. That man down is actually going to be here, Jimmy Garoppolo. Richard Sherman is whistling in the wind here. He's being the good teammate. He's obviously got a vested interest in trying to protect the fragile ego of Jimmy G from the bows and arrows of idiots like myself that are directing them at Jimmy Garoppolo. And i also also point out, when you look at that Super Bowl meltdown, Richard Sherman himself was used and abused. Remember that big play Sammy Watkins had for Kansas City in the Super Bowl? That was against Richard Sherman. Uh, that, that was, it was terrible. And uh, the second point, Jimmy Garoppolo, he gets the lion's share of the blame. The 49ers had a 20-10 to 10 lead going to the final quarter of the Super Bowl. Garoppolo, from that point forward, attempted 11 passes, completed three of them, He had one interception and a passer rating of below three. Let me repeat that. His passer rating was below three, and the 49ers were outscored 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. That is a historic meltdown. And even with that outcome, NFL teams are 29 and three in the Super Bowl when leading by 10 or more points. So they were 29 and two. Prior to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't care what Richard Sherman says. The reality is Garoppolo's gotta eat it. He's gotta take his medicine. And until he plays well in another Super Bowl, that's how he is going to be remembered. All right, there it is. Mallard of the third degree. How did we do? Ben you pass this edition. Ah, there we go. Put it on the board. What? That's a winner. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the
7: iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? Lame week. Lame week who? It's Big Ben's
1: lame joke of the week. That it is Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week presented in this portion of the, the Ben Maller Show, our hotline brought to you by Discover. You want to hear something amazing, Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically with no limit to how much they'll match. Millions of people a year are getting their cash back matched. What are you waiting for? Learn more at discover.com slash cash back match. Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week. These are listeners submitted jokes. We will get right to it and we will have... Some more time next hour to, to fill in the rest of the jokes, but we'll get started. And we, all, we always like to start out with this kind of a joke. It's become a trend on the show here uh, recently. What does Lizzo's thong and weed man have in common? Oh, I don't really want to know, but what? They're both really into crack. <laughs> all right, that's uh, it's Patrick in Austin who sent that one in. Why does Earl Thomas want to be traded to the Eagles? I don't know why. He's a fan of brotherly love, Eddie. Come that's, on. That's true. <laughs> that's uh, Gordon in Tacoma. Did you hear about the riots in Texas? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, or as Earl Thomas calls it, a quiet family dinner. <laughs> Spill from Iowa. Good job by him. Uh, why has Norm's Restaurant had to change its slogan from we never closed to we're closed? <laughs> Well, I'm guessing because of the uh, current situation. Well, yeah, there's a there's a chance that people may never go back to the old norms. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's uh Surfer Todd, the comedian via Mexico, he's got a place down there in Mexico. Do you know what's more terrifying than eating bat soup in Wuhan, China? Uh, no, what's more terrifying Racist. than that? Hearing that Harrison Ford is your pilot. <laughs> 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 it's a good job by Gary. Yeah, he had another issue recently, I heard. Yeah. Yeah, Gary and Youngstown. Uh, all right. Hey, Eddie, did you hear that Louisville and Rick Patino were ass- uh, assessed your t- sanctions earlier this week? Yes, you know I, I did know. Him. Yeah, I heard about yeah. that. The, uh, the school got level one. Rick Pitino got level two. And all the recruits got level 69, Eddie. They got <laughs> level 69. <laughs> so uh, Warren sent that one in. How are the Dallas Cowboys going to handle their upcoming quarterback situation? Oh, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Very gingerly, Eddie. Very gingerly. <laughs> Coop, you got anything? I sent Coop like 10 jokes. You got anything over there, Coop? Um,
9: yeah, I do, but I don't know okay. if I'm going to use any of the jokes you sent me.
1: Oh wow, that's a blow, man! Jeez.
9: <laughs> no, I, I'm going to use one of them, but uh, these ones are better. Uh, this is from JJ on Twitter. Uh, what is Earl Thomas's favorite video game?
8: <laughs>
1: I, I don't know.
9: Super Smash Brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
9: <laughs> I got I got a back to back from JJ. Uh, what What is Earl Thomas's favorite football play?
1: <laughs> I- Oh, I think I know, but go ahead.
9: Well, his brother plays cover two, and he blasts up the middle.
8: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! All right, a uh, meta world peace changed his name this week, Eddie. He did this week. Yeah, the oh. Lakers. Uh, Lakers also will now be known as COVID nineteen check cashers. They'll be known as that. That's from George in Rochester, Minnesota. <laughs>
8: Did you know that,
1: uh, let's see, I don't know about that. No, I think I'll skip over that one. Uh, do you know why LeBron can't send a Mother's Day gift to his mom? Uh, no, I don't. Apparently he doesn't have Delonte West's address, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> I don't think Delonte West has his address either. Oh, wow, that's even worse. That's uh, Gary from Youngstown. That's pretty funny there. How can you tell when Colts owner Jim Ursay has fallen into a relapse? Uh, how can you tell? When he can't even afford to pay for the hooker, That's, uh, they released their hooker guy. That's uh, just Josh who sent that one in. Well, what do you call? What do you tell O.J. Simpson when he tries something but fails? I don't know. What do you tell him? It's okay. You took a stab at it. <laughs> Jake uh, in Milwaukee. Another one from Jake. Uh, what did Nicole Brown Simpson say to O.J.? Oh, uh, I don't know. Nothing say? actually. There's nothing that. Yeah. <laughs> Coop you got anything over there Coop
9: uh, Yeah I, I got one uh, What happens when you mix human DNA with goat DNA Yeah I don't, I don't know They tell you to leave the petting zoo
1: <laughs> 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 That's from That's from Eek <laughs> All right, did you hear that 13 cows were killed with a single lightning strike the other day? I did not hear that, no. Yeah, they, they say they were Kentucky Fried, or in layman's terms, Jesus ordered up six doubles and a single to go. So, just Josh again. Uh, did you hear Eddie, uh, Eddie has started lifting weights? How about that? Big news, Eddie. I bet you didn't realize you started lifting weights. Yeah, yeah, it his, is big uh, news. Yeah, his clean and jerk needs some work, but he has a pretty good snatch, I guess. So there you go, Eddie. Congratulations, and we don't have the drop. What? Bill want? Bill said the only he wants the drop. We don't have the Eddie drop. All right, what sorry, tribe? Bill. Of uh, the other day. All right. Yeah. Uh, if the if the if the, the universe. <laughs> I love how this stuff conveniently uh, disappears there. All right. If the universe is made up of. Protons, neutrons, and electrons, what is the Mahler militia made up of? Tell me. Morons. It's uh, Eek in Roseville, Minnesota. What will, this is like a mini cowboy roast. What will cowboy John Brad uh, die with? Why will he die with his boots on? Uh, I don't know why. Because he doesn't want to stub his toe when he kicks the bucket, Eddie. So Anthony in Anaheim. What's Cowboy's nickname when he's farting? I certainly don't know. Uh, Darn Tootin is the, uh, no, uh, it's Anthony in Anaheim. Why doesn't Cowboy smoke joints? I don't know. Why doesn't he? He prefers tumbleweed is uh, what he prefers. Uh, why would you call Cowboy John Brad if he was, what would you call him rather if he was a terrorist? Uh, I don't know. Yihadist John is what you would <laughs> Uh, also a yeehaw, yeah. good, good reference also to it. an old caller we used to have. Uh, what would Cowboy John Brad's clothing line be called? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. Ranch dressing is what it would be. be it. That's how that would, that would work there. Uh, what is the difference between a chickpea and a lentil? Uh, not sure. Doc Mike has never had a lentil on his face. So, uh, Eek in Roseville, Minnesota. This one's from Alex the Cynical. Uh, how are Bartolo Cologne and Tammy in Montana similar? Not sure. Wasn't, one doesn't know when to stop eating, the other doesn't know when to stop calling, according to Alex. That's a cheap <laughs> shot. How dare you? We love Tammy. Call back, Tammy. Uh, why does Doc Mike love the coronavirus lockdowns? Uh, why? Why? He heard everyone, Eddie, is streaming more. He got excited. <laughs> he heard everybody streaming, and he's like, "That's I'm dreaming because everyone's streaming. That was Eric in Iowa. We'll have some more of the lame jokes next hour as well.
5: start listening.